Hello, and welcome to Once More with Commentary. We're a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Ginny. And I'm Allie. And today we are fighting coughs and <laughs> talking about Spiral and Over the Rainbow. Yeah. Um, and by we are fighting coughs, I just mean me because I'm only talking about myself. Anyway, if I sound a little pathetic, it's because I'm getting over a cold or something. Who knows? This is what we get for recording in the late fall. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, though, this is what happens when you go on airplanes or generally travel or spend time around people. <clears throat> you know, I mean, yeah. you can live actually, in a bubble and never cough on the podcast, but I feel like it'd be true. less interesting. I don't know if I told you this either, but on Wednesday morning, I woke up and I was like, my throat really hurts. And then like that day, oh wait, Wednesday, Tuesday, I mean, because I left on Wednesday, I got on a plane and I was like, I can see how getting on a plane is really not going to make this any better. Ooh. <laughs> so, okay. Well, great. This bodes well. Anyway, at least by, I was very lucky in that the rain had started right before we landed. So mm-hmm. that at least wasn't really smoky when we got to California. <clears throat> We're recording this after Thanksgiving. So I was traveling to things for Thanksgiving anyway, but, um, yeah. How are you? I'm good. I went to Texas for Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. which I actually, I mean, like I knew it was going to be fun, but you mm-hmm. know what? Like Waco is, there are p- fun parts of Waco. Just okay. putting that out there as a PSA. <laughs> <clears throat> um, like obviously my friends, like they, they're not going to take us to like the bad parts of Waco, but right. like everything I ate was delicious and we went to some interesting things, some very like Waco specific things. Like there's like mm-hmm. a religious not like a cult, but like a religious okay. homestead compound place mm-hmm. that does like a fair every mm-hmm. Thanksgiving weekend. They're kind of like Amish, I think, or similar. Mm-hmm. And um, they or they dress like Amish. I don't know if they're Amish. Not the point. The point is they make <laughs> delicious cider donuts. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I ate those. I had brisket. I had tacos, fried chicken, like any cliche mm-hmm. food of the South. I, I consumed it. And then Thanksgiving on top of that, so. Nice. I'm fasting now. No. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not, but it was a lot of food. Um, But it was a fun trip, and they have a super cute doodle, and she was so friendly and fun. Hmm. Like, I don't want a dog, but I want to, like, play with them. She's six months. Wow. Yeah, but she's, like, a puppy, but a very fast-growing puppy. A huge puppy, yes. (laughs) <laughs> and apparently she's like a little bit afraid of new people. So they kind of let her get used to us. And like we showed up at the door and they like handed us like turkey and cheese. And we're like, feed this to her. <laughs> so we immediately got her on our side. And nice. then she also wore like a thunder shirt for like the first two days. Uh-huh. Which I uh-huh. feel like I want to get Claire for Christmas for her dog uh-huh. because <laughs> it was a miracle worker. Yeah. Um, like, it was funny because, like, she didn't like wearing it because she's like, why do I have this thing on me? But, like, she didn't realize that it was making her calm because, mm-hmm. like, as soon as it came off, she was, like, a little crazy. Yeah. But, Aww. yeah, she was totally adorable. Um, but, no, it was a fun weekend. and Good. I mean, you know, I just can't get over that we're in the home stretch of 2018. I know. I mean, I know I say this every year. It's like, oh, how, what an original thought that you can't believe how fast the year went, but I just can't. (laughs) It is bizarre. I did have the world's most annoying seatmate on the way (gasps) to California. (laughs) Oh, no. 
There were a lot of things, which, to be honest, I probably don't remember all of them, but it was, I did have a good time getting home <clears throat> and then just rattling off this list of, like, she did this, she did this, she did this, she did this. But, um, you know, Alex, Alex and I had the um, window and aisle seat. I'm sorry, the middle and aisle seat. And so, some, you know, some stranger was sitting on the window. And it's like a, you know, it's a long flight. I get it. But, like, basic, okay, the, the short version of this is that she got up, like, six or seven times. Or oh at least she went to the bathroom six or seven times, including once before we even took off. But of those times, I hate people like, who do that. There are bathrooms at the gate. Yeah, but also, like, four or five. And she was one of the last people to get on the plane, too. So it's like, what are you doing if you, why are you late to this if it wasn't because you were using the bathroom in the terminal? And, like, this is not the time for that. They're trying to take off. But whatever. And then she she got up, like, asked us to get up four or five times. And I get it. You know, like, I've been in the window seat before, and it's awkward when you don't know the people, and I try to be polite. And it's like, you don't want to punish yourself because you're in the window and you don't know people. But also, I think, like, you know, a little consideration to, like, we don't want to have to get up every 30 minutes on this six-hour flight or whatever it turned out to be. And every time she went to the bathroom, she came back with more drinks in her hands. I was like, well, you wouldn't have to go to the bathroom so much if you would stop asking for a Coke and a water when you go to the back of the plane. Anyway. See, I was thinking maybe she was having some sort of, like, no in- intestinal distress. She was not. She okay. was not in any kind of distress. Also, she had two loud phone conversations next oh to us. God. One of them I didn't hear because I was watching every Disney movie that was available to me. But the second time I realized that she, she just, she was just quite the person. And, um, so I, I was watching a movie, but I like took off what sort of like put, took off one of my headphones so that I could eavesdrop on her. It was totally worthwhile. I won't get into it on the off chance that like, who knows? But anyway, it, at the end of the day, it was very amusing, but it was annoying to have to get up so many times. Also because our plane had the, headphone jacks were in the screen which is yeah. in front of you and so it was like every time she got up we couldn't just like scoot our stuff to the side you know it was like a whole production <clears throat> I also don't i was trying to why knit something she was so sitting was like, in the window like at that point you're aware that you're a person that should be on the aisle well i guess right? that's the thing too if she had said something at the beginning of like hey I, I might need to get up a lot then we probably would have said okay why don't you sit in the aisle you know what i mean it's like i'm not i'm not unfriendly on flights like i've flown by myself a lot and like i understand like what happens but just mention at least that you're inconveniencing us like it was excessive it wasn't like oh you just kind of have to go to the bathroom a lot and like I said it was because she was ordering drinks constantly like it's not like this wasn't like oh I, you must have some sort of issue going on I know what the issue was because I watched it happen <laughs> also she was really annoyed slash confused when they like came around to um <clears throat> pass out food and obviously they announced this at the beginning of the plane. And also it's been this way for at least like four years, but she tried to pay with cash and they were like, we don't take cash. And she was like, well, what am I uh, in my bag? And she was just like full of like, why were you not paying attention to any of this? Like if you haven't been on an airplane in a while, maybe you should listen to the nonsense at the beginning of the plane. And if you have been on a plane, why don't you know this already? You know, I feel like for a long time, I was always really confused because some airlines were like, we don't take cash. And some airlines were like, we're cash only. And yeah. there was no um, like consistency. But I do feel like, yeah, they're mostly card only at this point. I haven't seen one that takes cash in a, at least two years. Yeah. Well, she was a bad anyway. passenger. So. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, man. We should talk about Buffy. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to get into that whole thing. I'm wasting my non-coughing. 
to talk about something that's well, not Well, you said buffy. no laughing, and you're, like, laughing at I your know. lady on the plane. <laughs> like, I feel like you're setting yourself up for failure. I, I am. See? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> now I'm just going to try to make you laugh the whole time. No, no, no. We're going to talk Get about this Get ready for some terrible <clears throat> jokes, everybody. It was a very somber episode of Buffy. <clears throat> Should we do it? Yes, let's talk about Spiral. I mean, I think it's a fairly straightforward episode in that it picks up exactly where the last one left off, which is that Glory finds Willow, Tara, Dawn, and Buffy, who have, you know, after the, her incident with Tara, where she thought she was the key, and she's, you know, done her little brain-mangling thing to Tara. Because she's done that, <coughs> Tara is able to quickly identify to her that Dawn is the key. They get into a big fight because... Willow is able to throw up some magic and Buffy gets really lucky with an oncoming truck. They manage to sort of get away. Also, very fortunately, Glory, after getting run over by a truck in the street, turns into Ben. So that's really the reason that Buffy and everybody are able to get away. And they try to come up with a plan. And the only thing that Buffy can come up with is to run away. (laughs) So she runs off, tells the Scoobies to meet her at some, you know, outside of somebody's apartment or in the street. I don't know. I don't know where they were Um, with whatever (laughs) weapons they can get. And she comes back with a little like Winnebago RV type thing. Don't exactly know where she got it. (coughs) Um, And she has Spike in tow as well. And they're just going to make a run for it. And so they do. And of course, not only is um, Glory going to come after them once she comes back from Ben, but these brotherhood knights of Byzantium are still after her. We saw them like several episodes back and they have, they come back with like greater numbers and they basically get into a big horse car chase fight scene because they now know that Dawn is the key and they're trying to get to kill her. Um, Buffy and everybody are able to like, kind of beat them in battle before they like hole up in some abandoned building on the side of the road. Um, They manage to capture their leader. Willow puts up a spell, but Giles and their leader are like pretty badly injured. So Buffy calls the only person she can think of who to help them, who's Ben, who for reasons we should talk about decides to come and he is able to treat Giles and help um, help in the one respect, but of course he also harbors this terrible secret, which is that he's glory. And so trapped inside with them, he turns into glory and kind of more terribleness ensues. Um, yeah. And at the end of it, she manages to grab Dawn and murder the remaining Knights of Byzantium and run away. Yeah. We don't really see much of the carnage, but it looks like it's bad. It's clear that she's slaughtered them all very quickly. I thought. Which is crazy considering she couldn't slaughter all of Buffy's people quickly. I, yeah. Maybe because she was trying not to take the key. To I don't hurt know, the key. Maybe. Maybe. Actually, that's a good point. I, I would believe that. That yeah. she's been going a little bit easy on them because she doesn't know who it is. I guess. Or she knows who it is and doesn't want her to get caught in a crossfire. If she, yeah. You know, until she had her in her possession. So <clears throat> I don't know who I want to talk about first. If I want to talk about the Knights or Ben. I, yeah, I mean, and, and, yeah. Because we'll talk about Buffy, but, like, I think Buffy's whole attitude in this episode is really interesting. I mean, it was a little, 
I don't want to say it was annoying because I appreciate why we're going through this. Um, but it was far from my favorite. You know, this wasn't my favorite to watch. I think the night the knights, I think, throw a lot of really unnecessary wrinkles into the mythology of glory. And I don't feel like they really add enough to it that I'm willing to forgive them, you know? Yeah. Where it's like, sometimes things don't make sense, but they're so fun that it's like, yeah, whatever, who cares? It's a show about vampires. But this was like, what are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> and so, kind of the same with Ben, although I'll, I'm a lot more lenient with him since he does, I think, give me something. <laughs> so I think, okay, so <clears throat> I guess I only want to briefly mention that I think Buffy's arc in this episode is interesting because this is just showing Buffy who is terrified, like terrified yeah. that her sister is going to be taken and harmed. And I mean, she's a, been through a lot this yeah. season and now yeah. Tara's This is her like last and, remaining family. And the only thing I want to mention is that like, I really th- thought hard, like watching this episode about Buffy's instinct being to run, but why the hell wasn't her first instinct to just put Dawn on a plane and send her to Europe as soon as Glory starts looking for the key in Sunnydale? Like, yeah. Surely, if Glory doesn't know that the key is a human or who she is, then like Dawn could just escape until all of this <laughs> is over, and then we wouldn't have a season, and that's fine. But that's that's mostly where I went with that. But I mean, I think that there's good reason to think that with enough time, Glory will figure it out. And I think Buffy doesn't want to not be with Dawn when that happens, kind so of inevitably. Glory, I, I guess I feel like Buffy Dawn, doesn't uh, know that Glory's on a timetable. Yeah, I mean, I don't think she knows that. Okay. And I don't know how she would know that. So they seem to know almost nothing about Glory, which is one of my gripes that I have about the whole nights, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. I definitely don't think that they know how long she's been around. They, de- you know, they clearly don't know that she's, she and Ben are connected. And even after this episode, they're going to kind of struggle with that fact. Um, so no, I don't think she would have any way of knowing that there is a time frame. Unless Glory said something in front of them, but I don't think she has. Yeah. Or they forgot. I don't <clears> know. <throat> it's, it, to me, it's not the interesting part of the episode. Like, it's just the action kind of, but like. Yeah. I guess I took it more as like she's at her lowest and she's just panicking. So I think that I do think that it makes sense because, you know, Buffy is a great slayer and she's a great leader and she's a great person, but she can't hold it everything together constantly in ever increasingly difficult odds, you know, in the face of them rather. So, yeah, because she is a literal God with no discernible way to defeat her. I don't love it. I don't love seeing Buffy cower, um, but I get it. <clears throat> yeah. Can we talk about the knights, though? Please. Because I, so I remember, I think maybe even our first episode, talking about mm-hmm. Glory. I love Glory as a villain, okay? I think yeah. she's a great character. <clears throat> I think she's really interesting. But I think Glory as a big bad was an indication that the show went in a very wide direction in terms of, like, mythology and slaying and all of that. And I think that the Knights of Byzantium are the best example of how this is a problem because (laughs) it's, on one hand, you could see the writers being like, wouldn't it just be cool if Buffy's, like, fighting a horde of knights? Like, people on horseback and, like, all of this. That's basically the whole episode. (laughs) Yeah. Except for it gives a very odd feel to the entire story because yes, the idea is that glory is a very old God. People have been aware of her and fighting her for a long time. All of that I have no problem with. I think this idea that the Knights somehow exist 
in this time and they're still dressing I like agreed. knights from Byzantium agreed. and riding horses and, and fighting with swords and all that and is a little bit... And they appear to have no magical powers until, yes. you know, other than the clerics that they specifically call in to deal with the witch. Yeah. It's like, why are you guys fighting this way? How have you not right. picked up some magic along the centuries? Like, none of it really... <clears throat> Holds it up, doesn't really like, make to sense. a lot of like scrutiny, and it's also kind of tough to watch because it's really jarring. Like we've seen, I mean, like demons and like assassins, and there were some knights in like previous seasons, yeah. like coming after Buffy. But like all of that's okay, fine. Like people are a little bit stuck Those in whatever used time glove, or uh, used guns. You know, didn't we'll they? see an angel like different. Um, dimensions and all of that, but there's no part of this story where the knights come from a different dimension. They are called no, the they're knights just of humans. They're just humans that have been tracking the beast forever, yeah. and all of it is a little bit, like, it's just too much. Like, it's too, I think it's too broad. I don't think it makes a lot of sense, and I think it just adds one more wrinkle to this whole fight against glory that is frustrating to watch because you know, Buffy's trying to get away I, from Glory, and yet now she has to deal with these asshole knights who, like, won't listen to reason because their whole crusade is trying to kill the key so the beast can't get it. But yet, I mean, we see them functioning when they go pick up their friend at the hospital yeah. in a totally normal, modern way. Why the hell are they putting on chainmail and, like, chasing after a Winnebago I, on horseback? I mean, I agree. All, how are the horses keeping up with the Winnebago? Is it that well, bad? Well, I of think a car? the Winnebago was terrible, but still seems a little. That was the least bothersome part for me. The part was I like, agree. <clears throat> why are they I using totally grappling agree. hooks I, to get on the Winnebago? I think, I think what you're bringing up too is, I, well, I'll, I want to backtrack a little bit later, but essentially, yes, it just it doesn't make any it doesn't make any sense, and in a way that is, and a little bit infuriating and not like interesting and laughable. Like I said, mostly because they're not a good counterpart to Buffy other than I do think the action sequence was like pretty cool. You know, like she got to do a lot of cool stuff on a moving vehicle. And I imagine that was very like complicated to film and probably one of the bigger budget fight scenes they've had in this yeah. season. So, and it, and it was fun to watch, you know, I'm not against that, but I don't, it wasn't clever enough to make up for it again, that they're like just, cutting all these plot holes with their broadswords into this story. Like if they've, if glory, how long has glory been on earth? Cause it kind of seems in the beginning, like it's been like a couple years at most, maybe Ben's lifespan, but clearly it's been much longer than that. But if they've been around for this long and the knights have been around and the monks have been around and they've all been making it their business to stop one thing, how was it so difficult for Buffy and the council to find information on her? It seems like all they needed to do was ring these guys up and granted they're not like, big on sharing, but it just, it just seems like it wouldn't be that well hidden, you know, that right. they, seem, I, they also announced, okay. I think the first time they showed up that like, oh, if you kill one of us, they'll just be more like there's hordes of them. It's not 20 guys. I mean, it obviously it's 20 guys in this episode because again, like budget, budget. constraints, but yeah. like <laughs> there's supposed to be, I think at least a few hundred of them, if not several thousand. So like, that's where the whole part where I'm like, so this isn't a secret at all. Like, why was this, why was this so difficult? So like, it's, it's fine for me that she's difficult to kill. I really, and, and as much as I, I, I agree, agree with all of your reasoning for kind of not liking the way that they won up everything. And now we've had Buffy facing off with a God that really wouldn't bother me as much. I don't think if they weren't throwing such weird, yes, weird little pitfalls for her. So that like, is why she just I, be a super powerful right, God. That is and the like, reason that I think it's a problem is because when, yeah. you, when you have to keep one upping yourself with different <clears throat> higher levels of, enemies the problem is that kind of the higher you go the more you want to create around it right like so like uh, it makes sense just, that I they made, went in this direction like a i don't God think so though i don't think it makes sense no 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 i 
what I mean is it makes sense to me that they thought this was a good oh, idea because sure. well, you have a God, therefore a God needs a mythology and a history and like all of this. But you made an excellent point where because they decide to do this and create this history, they've undercut the entire story because these knights have been presumably being called the Knights of Byzantium have yeah, presumably been go. fighting the exactly. beast or the idea of the beast since the time of Byzantium, Yeah, <laughs> which is at least, you know, what, like 400 years minimum, like before this story is happening, probably more. But like, okay, these knights have been fighting the beast for hundreds of years. There's all this a mythology, like 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 the, the general basically exists to give all the exposition for glory and the key and like all of this and like her backstory and that's fine but your main premise about your character of glory is that the really interesting twist they came up with is that she's tied to a human body and that that's how they've like managed to avoid being detected for this long because she like comes and goes and like we'll talk about ben in a minute but like None of that makes sense if Glory was chained to the earth and tied to a human body, but these knights have been trying to fight her for 400 years. Ben yeah, is not 400 years exactly. old. There's no indication yeah. that it, he's been alive for 400 years. Is he years. immortal? Yeah, I just like, yeah. Maybe that's yeah. just a, a question that they never really addressed, and maybe he is 400 years old and we don't know it, but. Right, I guess he can't be immortal, quote unquote, but he. Yeah, but they never yeah, yeah. say that. And so it just doesn't make sense. You can't have them both be true. Now, maybe Glory's been hopping from body to body, but that doesn't make that much sense either. Yeah. And I, again, I just, I, I don't, I don't know if I agree that it's a natural way for them to go because, well, I understand the inclination to build up a mythology. Oh, I want to be clear. I I don't understand it, but I understand their thinking that was a cool thing to do. It just is so frustrating because like you, like, just like we're both saying, I think it's like the twist is that she was a God. The twist is that she's tied to a mortal. The twist is that it was so hard for them to, it's so hard for them to fight her. And that it was really hard for them to get information about her. All of that, I think still leads up to the same satisfying conclusion that the season had. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like they're not even what on earth have they contributed to this arc at all? That makes it interesting. Zero. There's battle, actually literally battle, no reason for them to exist. On a moving vehicle is the only reason for yeah. them to exist. And it doesn't, yeah, the gun, them not having guns doesn't make any sense. Previous assassins that we've seen that have existed for centuries that were demons did in fact use modern weapons or at least modern disguises. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And then like, Oh, I had another thought, but I forget what it is. Also, they got tattoos on their face. Like, they're not hiding from anyone. Nothing about this is a secret. <laughs> Nothing about this is subtle. I, it just doesn't track. And I guess, oh, I know what I was going to say. I think what would have still, I mean, ultimately it still works. Because I literally forget about these guys until every time yeah. I get to this episode. It's like, I forgot but they exist. But that shows you how crucial exactly. they are like, to the narrative, which is not They're not crucial not at to all. it, and I'm happy to forget them and leave the rest of the season intact in my mind because I think the rest of it works pretty well. But it's like, it's funny to me. I like, like the minions are also kind of already there serving that purpose, right? Like they're, Glory's little right, minions. They're redundant. And they're, they're, so they're redundant. And also at least with the minions, it's like there's some sort of demons. I can imagine that they came from another dimension. So I don't really have to answer all these questions to make it still kind of make vague sense. You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, I get it. Yeah, sure. She had these other little guys trailed in from her dimension and they do seem to probably want to keep her identity a secret because they have good reason to. So it's like that would all track. Yeah. Anyway, I hate the knights. The fight scene was pretty cool. The joke about the horses is sad, but also (laughs) funny, you know, but like the rest of it, like, what are we doing? 
Yeah, I, I will say <clears throat> I did make note that this, to my knowledge, is really the only Buffy episode with a sequence like that that takes place yeah. outside Sunnydale and, like, kind of even outside, like, like and for such a long outside. time, yeah. Like, it's so weird to not see them on, like, a soundstage or, like, a set. And all of that was really cool, but, like, <clears throat> again, in service of nothing. And, like, in service of getting cool them scene, and utterly stop. forgettable and unnecessary. Yeah. And frustrating, because it also doesn't make sense for this episode. Like, how did the knights know which vehicle they yeah. were in or which one had the key in it? Or, like, why are they attacking a random Winnebago? Like, yeah. with crossbow. And why crossbows did it take them this and, like, long to do it? <laughs> Yeah. They've and been they, around. Like, plus yeah. they, like, you know, run a spear through Giles' stomach. Yeah, which is not nice. Which leads us to the completely unsuccessful fake-out of Giles almost dying. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <clears throat> Although, that leads us to the other part of this that is yeah. interesting, is that because Giles is almost dying and there's no way Buffy's going to lose both her parental figures... She yeah. calls the only person she knows that could provide medical help, but as we know, as I was screaming at my screen, don't call Ben. <laughs> I guess and I'm... Cu- yeah, why does he go? Okay, that was my question. I is, think it makes sense to me that Buffy, Buffy would call him. him. Yeah. Right. <laughs> He's the but only why one does who... why yeah. show up? I, the only explanation that I could think of, other than obvious plot device reasons, is that we saw that he got fired from his job. He's, it's, you know, he's very much playing the Buffy card of like, woe is me. I just want a normal life. I've worked so hard to make things normal and they still won't be just stupid normal. Like, you know, he's so frustrated that he can't do anything. I, I wonder if the, or rather the only explanation I can think of is that he's so desperate to help people and practice medicine, which is this thing he's been training his whole life or, you know, for a long time to do that he's going to jump at the opportunity to do it. So but he that knows Don is the key now, so right. like, I think that's so, the piece that makes it not click. Is like if he didn't well, know that, it would make total sense. So that's <clears> plausible <throat> to me. Although because he knows Don is the key, and he has proven in the past that he's trying to protect her from getting into Glory's grasp. But the only reason I was thinking was because he has that whole conversation with the female minion, mm-hmm. who I think is female. She she seems is, yeah. female, and she's posing these, like, philosophical questions to him about, like, you know, he complains about being tied to glory and he wants his own life because he's lost his job and all of that. But then she poses him the question of, like, well, the easiest solution would be to kill the key because if the key dies, then there's no key for glory to take. And, like, they kind of know that he knows who the key is. Yeah. And so she asks him the question, could you take a human life with your own hands, essentially, for what you think is the greater good? With Mm -hmm. the thought like I think she's posing it to him with this idea that he couldn't because yeah, this is when he's taken the Hippocratic oath like he's a doctor yeah. he clearly cares about people yeah and so I was thinking that maybe he went to answer Buffy's call knowing that he shouldn't was because maybe he was going to find out that he could Interesting. Try to kill He's the key. Test- and I think that's why himself, there's maybe. that whole yeah. weird that, scene that with the syringe yeah. and like all of that. And like it's clear <clears throat> that Ben's not doing anything. Like there's never any indication once he arrives mm-hmm. that he's even thinking about that other than the episode is trying to fake you out a little right, bit. Right, And so to me, that's why I thought he would have gone. But then he was immediately like, I need to leave. I can't be here. And so he had to know there would be a risk that. Glory I don't think he said that up. immediately. I thought he said that once he felt her coming. Yeah, that's what I mean. But, like, even before that, he should have known that was a risk. Like, Glory's getting stronger. She shows up whenever she wants. He heavily implies that he's trying to, like, drug himself to suppress her. Yeah. But 
I don't know. It just feels really irresponsible for him to it do does. that unless he's trying to maybe c- convince himself <clears throat> to kill Don. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I guess but in his defense, he's toying with a lot. I feel like did a good job of, like, showing that. I agree. But I, I guess you're making good points about, like, he's grappling with a lot. Like, is he willing to kill Don? Is he willing to tell everything to Buffy? If he could, would it, she even understand it? You know, I don't know. Maybe he's trying to just show up and hope something will come out one way or the other. Yeah. But hopefully not be glory. But yeah, I think, I don't know. So I also really wanted to bring up that point about the question that the minion asks Ben because <clears throat> it's kind of ironic considering oh, totally. the end that Ben faces of yeah. essentially <laughs> the same question of like, yeah, okay, and it's Giles in this point of like, could you take a human life with your own hands for the greater good and we'll see what happens. But like, I thought it was really interesting and kind of ironic that Ben gets posed that question and can't do it. It's true. It doesn't seem like he, like as much as it doesn't really seem like he gives it that much thought, like beyond that conversation, Mm -hmm. um, like his actions don't imply that he's really considering it. Like ultimately he can't do it. And it's, I don't know. It's yeah. I guess I, I I guess I think the other uh, sort of, you know, he's mm, observation, I guess not like irony really, you know, like I've said, and we've said a lot of times, you know, he's constantly playing the Buffy card of like, I just want a normal life. But in this episode, he reminded me a lot more of Don because in that conversation, they also pretty much reveal that like he only exists because she, they needed to trap her somewhere. Or at least that's the minions interpretation of it rather that like he doesn't have his own life and he only exists because she's there, which is also true of Don. I don't know. I just think it's interesting that they're both like two humans have kind of been like brought into this realm and this world uh, through magical means that are not their fault that have kind of doomed them. (laughs) Yeah. I actually thought that was interesting because you can ca- contrast <clears throat> the minions basically telling Ben like he should be grateful to serve this purpose for Glorificus and versus like the general telling what his like idea is about the key like she's just mm-hmm. created for this one purpose and Buffy's arguing that she's because she was turned into a human she is human and deserves to live a human life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like those are two very different points of view about yeah these two humans created yeah as they are an interesting contrast i think to each other and i mean was he actually maybe i'm not just not remembering the line well but was was he created as the trap for glory or did they trap her in a human and he happened to be the one they picked you know unclear because i feel like if they had cleared that up we might have a better idea of like how old ben might be right (laughs) that's a good point um yeah they don't really mention that he had parents i think that it was heavily implied that they created a human him. to yeah. attach him to but I don't know I mean it makes like, a lot more sense I think if he's, if he's like 1965 like yeah, they don't really yeah. answer these questions yeah I think it makes a lot more sense if Ben is just like 30 <laughs> and yeah. we just call it a day I, I well so yeah. I think this episode like while it sets us up well for like a showdown with yeah. Lori and like <clears throat> we have one more episode to get through before that but like I think it just exposes more holes in this whole story. Yeah, it was an odd kind of like skid for me, or I just yeah. wasn't expecting to hit a lull this late in the season. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot but about But I this. think it's the problem. This is a great episode to highlight <clears throat> the problem that I have with Glory in that she's mm-hmm. such a great character, but I think the instinct of like what they created her as, like they gave in too much to this instinct to like make it really broad and like huge and like where Buffy does really well is these sort of grounded ideas of like how would people react to these external 
villains and problems, but, like, they kind of tie into, like, your life. And I think the where <laughs> glory falls apart is, like, they're adding too much that literally has no reason to exist and mm-hmm. is too too big to in any way tie into Buffy. Like, yeah. Ben is really interesting <clears throat> because he's a foil for Dawn, but, like, yeah, the Knights of Byzantium... Yeah, they're what not are doing they anything. They're not, they're not a metaphor. They're not a, exactly. Like, they're not like a interesting parallel to anything in anybody's no. life. They're not. They they're don't just even serve the glory yeah. story. Other than they're just one more group of people tied up in like hunting this god. But like, who yeah. cares? Like, yeah. at least the monks create dawn, and then they're off screen, right? Like, they don't exist yeah. anymore, and that's fine. Yeah, and it also seemed like the monks were a dying breed. Like those were the last of them, which yeah. makes more sense to me if it's going to be something that's been around for centuries. I guess, actually, I, I don't want to dwell on this too long because I think we should move on to Angel, but um, <clears throat> Buffy also kills a lot of them, and they're humans, and they kind of... I Obviously, she's justified. They're there to attack her and her sister specifically, and they say it, but it is a little bit weird to me that they also kind of just let that fall by the wayside. like That Buffy killed 10 humans, and yeah. nobody but ever not, really... Not even just Buffy. It was all of them. Yeah, and nobody really talks about it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's fine. Again, like, I, it's not like I think she did the wrong thing or, like, she's not justified. It's, like, obviously self-defense. But it is yeah. a little weird that they let that. Like, I guess, again, with these ill kind of half-baked night idea, why did we also not give them some magical powers so that we would also kind of justify this <clears throat> if they yeah. have to be there? You why know, make There's, like, them so many plot holes with them. <laughs> extra human or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but speaking of powers, we do finally see some more godlike powers from Glory, which mm. is, again, maybe budgetary, but at least she seems more formidable with, like, super speed. <clears throat> yeah, and punching her way through that, like, force field. Yeah. Also, we oh. learned that Dawn can't run more than, like, 20 feet. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, uh, I did enjoy the, like, accidental, uh, I don't know what to call it, uh, foreshadowing of mean girls <laughs> claire uh, claire claire kramer why am i saying her actress's name when glory gets run over by the bus that was pretty like oh oh <laughs> i didn't even make <laughs> that connection yeah. and especially because she's such a like mean girl attitude i was like oh that, that works obviously it doesn't work they have nothing to do with each other as far as i know but <clears throat> maybe tina faced all this episode i don't know <laughs> maybe i mean even the Pink dress is kind of, you know. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it was a Wednesday. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Took you a second. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <clears throat> on that note, should we move on to Angel? Yes. Before we just go down a bad rabbit hole. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, we can discuss the Ariana Grande video some other time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so... Over the rainbow. Because mm-hmm. <clears throat> last week we saw Cordelia actually end up in a different dimension. And this week is where we pick up. And essentially, you could boil down this story to Cordelia adjusting to life in a new dimension and Angel mm-hmm. and Co. desperately trying to get to the dimension to help her. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little more to it than that, though, because um, Cordelia lands and sort of like almost immediately realizes she's there by herself and she ends up hunted down by what looks like a, some sort of hell beast, but it turns out to be like a tracking animal of some kind for um, its master who is essentially trading in cows. 
but in Pylea, cows are humans. So Cordelia is sold into slavery to this other woman, and then um, that's where we leave off there while Angel and Wesley and Lorne sort of reluctantly are trying to figure out why the portal won't reopen in the club. And then turns out they have to find like a hot spot for the portal to open. And Wesley does all this research and realizes that if they want to come through the portal in the same location together, they need to be in some sort of metal contraption in order to do that. So they all decide to jump in Angel's car and go through the portal. Um, Lorne is initially very reluctant to go back to what he deems to be a hell dimension. Mostly it sounds like because they don't have music. Um, and his, he's talked into going by his friend who's a psychic who helps them find the hotspot and she tells him that he needs to go home basically and deal with his demons from his past essentially and work through everything. So he needs to go back with them. And then Gunn initially isn't going to go because he just lost his friend in the last episode and he's decided that he needs to stay with his crew, but then decides ultimately that he's going to go with them to go find Cordelia with his new Mm -hmm. crew. So they go through the portal. They end up in Pylea successfully, accidentally leave the book behind, so they don't really have a way to get home. But Angel's not worried about that at the moment because he's outside and not bursting into flame because (laughs) there are two suns in Pylea, and apparently the magic of that helps vampires. Um, They make their way into town and end up getting captured as well, and then they... Um, over here, some talk about, uh, see like a woman with visions and they realize that it's probably Cordelia because Mm -hmm. in the meantime, she has had visions and been accused of being cursed and tested to make sure she really has the sight. Um, she's also run into a woman who is kind of telling her what's up, like how to behave as a cow and not get caught and we realize it's the woman from the last episode from the vision who had gone through the portal let's see at the end they all end up at the castle and cordelia is sitting on a throne and like hey guys (laughs) i was really gonna try to make that shorter but i guess there was no way to do that (laughs) yeah Yeah. i mean this episode was fun i i'll I don't know if I just got myself in a weird mood because of the Buffy episode or or not. This one also felt like a lot of place setting and not quite as much like execution. You know, like so much of it was introducing Cordelia to this new world. You know, they're going to be here for several episodes. So it mm-hmm. makes sense that they want to spend time. Um, I think it was a lot more enjoyable than the Buffy episode. You know, nobody was like drilling huge plows into the into the yeah. overall mythos. So um if anything, they're being very focused on, like, they're really focused on Pylea. We know there's, like, several mysteries that they're setting up, you know, or at least <clears throat> going forward on, like, basically who that other girl is and why is Cordelia a, a queen here now? <laughs> um, yeah, I think what's really funny to me is, so Gunn mentions Xena, like, yeah. as part yeah, of a joke yeah. of, like, oh, xenophobia or whatever. But what was funny to me is that they mentioned it because this episode, to me, does kind of look like an episode of Xena. It does look a lot like Xena, you're right. Or Hercules or something. So, like, the whole time it was, like, I was thinking about that because it feels like a very different show. Like, just taking Angel out of L.A., like, really, even, like, everybody and putting them in this different location feels like a totally different show. And not necessarily in a bad way. No, I agree. 
everything, even though everything is dire, like Cordelia's sold into slavery and then tortured while they're trying to figure out if she has these visions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the guys are immediately captured and, um, you know, going through everything before they even get to um, Pylea. But, like, everything is a little bit more light in tone. Like, everything's kind of presented as kind of a joke. And, like, everyone's like, oh, ha-ha, isn't this so, like, funny we're like tied up you know like I don't know like the whole tone was a little bit lighter I felt like and I don't know it's just kind of a nice break from like the darkness like yeah you know part of it too is Angel has never really aside from one episode in season one this is a show that very much takes place at night right because you can't yeah for obvious reasons and so I think that's part of it too is like just having everything be outside in the daytime yeah that's a good point it's a whole new show (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I think it also, uh, you know, that uh, in your f- favorite vein, this episode title also <laughs> speaks a lot to kind of like what, not what's going on here, but kind of, I think the tone um, over the rainbow is obviously a reference to Wizard of Oz, whether the movie or the book. Um, <clears throat> it does feel a little bit more, I, I get, you know, the Wizard of Oz isn't a fairy tale, but it feels a little bit more in that vein also of like lighthearted yeah. fantasy. Yeah. Um, people are just very, very much like a fish out of water scenario. We have to kind of learn some new rules, but ultimately we probably assume they're going to make it back and be okay. Um, and I think that's a great call out too, because this is one case where I actually think the title is a great one <laughs> for the episode, yeah. but also like you get the little illusion of Cordelia clicking her heels three times yeah, to go yeah, home, exactly. but also this idea of like, especially the movie version where Dorothy's going from a very black and white world to color, mm -hmm, like technicolor, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you almost have the same thing happening here where Angel goes from a very dark world of nighttime to full on daytime with two suns and everything is more colorful. Like the people are green and, you know, it's kind of a very similar situation and, you know, they're going off to the castle, like they're off to the Emerald City and like you could also say like... They're sort they're of sort of Cordelia a, like Dorothy, where she's someone who just lands in this world, but like now at the by the end of the episode, she's like she's very you important. Know, some sort of exactly like very important person. And <laughs> which one's the scarecrow and which one's the lion? <laughs> um, oh I think that well, actually, if we're gonna do this, I think that Lauren is definitely the cowardly lion. Oh, yeah. Because he's like afraid oh. to go home. And um Angel might be the Ten Man. I don't know. Yeah. Does, does he that have a heart? Sense. I mean, we know he has a heart, but like. But he struggles know. to connect with people. No, yeah. I think that makes sense. And then I guess the Scarecrow, who doesn't have a brain? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, that's too mean. I guess that leaves Gun, but that's too mean. He doesn't yeah. not have a brain. Yeah, and he's then, fine. But Wesley um, is like the brain, so it'd be weird to call him that. Yeah. Hmm. I think All we right. ran out of people, we so did. I don't know. But maybe Wesley and Gun together are the Scarecrow, but. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. They had their cute little handshake. I really like that. Yeah, maybe. So it's not a perfect analogy. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think it works well enough. And too bad Wesley broke up with his girlfriend because then we could have a wizard. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to say that I kind of, I, I remember these episodes. I thought I remember them pretty well. And I, I think I do in general. But even though, even throughout this whole season, I've been refusing to call Lauren the host because I know his name is Lauren and I I just, I'm not going to do that. But I did kind of forget his sort of tragic backstory. I mean, again, it is kind of played for laughs and like, 
your summary of it being like, well, he was just sad because there was no music. I think there's a lot more to it than that. And, um, you know, I mean, I guess really he's, he's a great figure for, uh, kind of as the archetype of someone who like, you know, he, he did not fit in where he grew up and nobody could understand him. And they also clearly made no efforts to, you know, when he finally finds somebody from his family there, they are the ones that like call the garden, (laughs) you know, and, and, and kind of doom them to some sort of death sentence. So, you know, Lorne, Lorne was obviously right to get away. He had nothing for him here. Um, and it is, it, you know, again, it's like, he's not just cowardly. He really doesn't want to get stuck there again. I think he's, it was an accident that he ended up in LA, but why would he go back? Right. I mean, <clears throat> there is this idea of like, he keeps calling it a hell dimension. And then every time he describes it, it's like, he basically just makes it sound like the town from Footloose where it's like, yeah, they don't let yeah. you have fun there. But yeah. like, we, we see because <clears throat> there's the Draken and the way that humans are slaves and, you know, or cows as they keep calling them. Right. And, you know, even a little bit of like how they test Cordelia for the site and like all of this, like there are dark undercurrents that Lauren either didn't fully explain until he had to, or maybe wasn't even aware of. Cause he doesn't really yeah. seem to know what's going on with Cordelia, but it's like, he kind of, it's a little frustrating to watch because he's being very selfish in this whole thing. Like understandably, right. like, it's so clear that he doesn't want to go back there at all costs. And ultimately he does, but also like he's weirdly unhelpful. Like it's they, true. a lot of this information is stuff that he could have told them from the get go. Like, Hey, you guys are going to have some trouble because you look human. And right, he does not right, eventually right. tell them that, but not until we've already seen Cordelia like get captured and sold. And, um, you know, he doesn't really mention a lot about like his family and all of that until it's too late. Even like he, he even seems very naive, like just walking up to that house and like going yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, that's and true. <clears throat> some of it is like there's no way he didn't know this stuff. It's just like maybe he's kind of buried it a little bit. I don't. Well, that's know, what I, that's actually what I was gonna say. I mean, as much as him him kind of posing everything as though it's just the town from Footloose, I would definitely think, or I definitely think one ex one very reasonable explanation is that he is yeah traumatized and is that's how he can function. You know, is by kind of joking about it. But yeah, I, I don't know why he wouldn't just tell them helpful things. But like, if they're if they're <clears throat> planning a rescue mission, like I feel like even if he's refusing to go, he should give them whatever right. information they need. If anything, it would make more sense if he was like, "I'm not going to go, but I can tell you here's here's what to yeah. expect." <laughs> and like, he also doesn't <clears throat> recognize the language in the book. Like, yeah, this is where I'm like, maybe some of this has nothing to do with like what his life was there, and like he does kind of seem like he comes from like kind of outside the town because like he does like I think we're a little bit from like outside yeah, town yeah, or like yeah. it also as big as his world could be like it's kind of convenient that they end up somewhere that he's been before but right. hey <clears throat> magic of Hollywood right yeah I, yeah I just it's like I don't want to dwell too much on the parts that were a little bit iffy because overall like I do think I guess I, I don't think it's I don't think it's too iffy because I mean also as much as it's like Again, thinking about future seasons, we I know that Lauren is going to stick around and ultimately care about all these people, but really, he's just seen them, like, a handful of times in his club. You know what I mean? Like, it does kind yeah. of make sense to me that he's not going to just, like, let me sacrifice myself for one of you who I don't know that well. <laughs> Aside from it being the noble thing to do, he doesn't know them that well. <clears throat> I think that's a great point. I think it's easy to forget that, especially yeah. at this point, that they've really only met him this season. and They only just learned his name. 
<clears throat> yeah. He's only been in a handful of episodes, and he's only helping them in this capacity, usually, of, like, conduit to the powers that be, yeah. where people sing and he lets them know what's up. But, like, that's maybe not so much, like, he's doing it because he's nice. It's just, like, that's how he gets people to come back to his club. And, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, there is a business angle there, too. And... There's no reason. Like, they're not friends at this point. Like, Angel was really mean to him. Right, right. He was trying to get him out of his funk and all of that. So I guess that's a really good point, is that we're maybe applying next season's relationships to these episodes. Yeah. And and these episodes are responsible for a lot of that relationship. Right, of course. And it hasn't happened yet. So... Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'll be easier on it, but... I do think it's interesting that Cordelia's visions are immediately specific to this world. Yes, that I'm, is a very interesting thing. Again, I, I, I can kind of, maybe the powers that be, you know, want her, you know, she has this destiny to fulfill there or they want to endear her to this world. Maybe. I don't know. Well, I think it's all tied together because if you remember the whole reason they found this book in the first mm, place and mm-hmm. got into this mess is because Cordelia had a vision about this woman going through a portal. Right, 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 right. And okay. that mm. was obviously from the powers that be. Now, she hasn't figured out who that woman is yet or rescued her, and yeah. she doesn't recognize the woman in the barn as the same woman. Um, I don't even know at this point that I would recognize her as the same one, except mm-hmm. that I know who mm-hmm. that is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Cordelia was clearly meant to come to this world if we follow the vision. Right, that's fair. And so the fact that the visions are of this world now instead of Earth makes complete sense to me because she's already on the path that she was sent on and her having the visions is part of her whole experience there of like, obviously something about that makes her queen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <clears throat> so I wasn't really as surprised, I guess, because I, like, this is a whole multi-episode yeah. Solution to like one vision. Yeah. And everybody at this point has kind of forgotten about the woman in the library. Mm-hmm. Not us, because we know who she is. Right. <clears throat> she's the crazy woman. Right. She's the obviously <laughs> other only other person with speaking lines that wasn't that was human. <laughs> I think we saw like one other human movie. <clears throat> yeah. Also, how are all these humans just falling into the world? I, I, I did wonder about that. I guess like, once 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 a few of them were there, they probably had babies. I don't know. Maybe because otherwise, like these slaves must be crazy expensive if there's only a handful of humans mm-hmm. in this whole world, and yet Cordelia was worth less than like <clears throat> the milk that she was carrying. Yeah, so. one every decade. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe humans aren't the only cows. Oh, that's probably true. <clears throat> but in any case, very excited for. Sticking around in this world. Yeah. And um, I did think they looked cool, uh, Gunn and Wesley and Angel and Lauren to some extent, when they like got into a big brawl in the you know town square oh, or whatever. That's it was my like favorite. they did a great I job. I think we're winning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a good gag, but they also, re- you know, they've honed a lot of skills by now, so I like watching them fight. Yeah. This is sort of the transition from like bumbling <clears throat> Wesley to like badass Wesley. Yeah. Yeah. I also, for some reason, when Angel was um, leaving a message, you know, before they leave, and um, he's kind of leaving instructions for, like, the hotel and the operations, I guess, a little bit to somebody, and we don't know who it is at first, and it turns out to be Gun. I definitely thought for a minute, like, oh, is he calling Buffy? Hmm. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I thought that was kind of an interesting misdirect, mostly because I guess... 
it's just kind of my knee jerk and everybody, I, I, I don't, I can't imagine I'm the only person that had that thought, but it really is again, like, uh, we've really come a long way, I guess is what I want to say, because once it, I found out it was gun, it made a lot more sense and I was a lot more happy with it. So I don't know. I, I do sort of think they did that on purpose to mislead us a little bit, but I also feel like it ultimately worked because it did kind of just remind me that like, oh yeah, of course he would leave that message for Gunn and that it's kind of the thing that reminds Gunn, you know, that why he's a part of this crew and that he likes them and he cares about them. I, I don't know. I, it worked nicely for me, I guess is what I'm trying to say, but. I, and I'm, also the <laughs> way in this entire episode, he keeps saying, we have to go. It's Cordelia. I mm-hmm. just got her back. Like all mm-hmm. of this, like, mm-hmm. well, now we're definitely shipping Angel and Cordelia. We don't want him to be calling Buffy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um, speaking of the hotel, though, I didn't really mm-hmm. mention it in the recap, but we do get a brief yeah our lo- uh, our lost from, crossover. <laughs> yeah, Wolfram and Hart uh, from from Jen or uh, Gavin Park, new mm-hmm. evil lawyer, um, where apparently Angel <clears throat> did not buy the hotel. <laughs> And they're just renting it from whoever. <coughs> yeah, I don't know about that. And the lease is up in six months, and Wolfram and Hardy is planning to buy it. So they're still around, mm-hmm. but that's mm-hmm. kind of a nothing scene, other mm-hmm. than now remembering that Jen from Lost was on Angel, which yeah. I forgot about. <laughs> and just kind of sowing the seeds now that Lindsay's gone. Yeah, that he's dealing with new lawyers. And there's new people there, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, we will see Lila again, but... Oh, right, 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 but... Yeah. <clears throat> it's a good reminder, though, that, yeah, Lindsay's gone. I don't have too much more. No. Other than I'm still very into Cordelia's denim outfit. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> maybe not the... Well, maybe the boot cut. I think that was a... Mm. Yeah. That would probably be better than skinny jeans. Straight, yeah. I, yeah. I I'm not I... buying an all-denim jumpsuit, but... I just saw I... one the other day, but I don't remember where it was. <laughs> I have to stop talking because I'm just disgusting. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, so I will. <laughs> Sorry for giving you a lot to edit out. <laughs> next time is the weight of the world for mm-hmm. Buffy and an angel. Through the looking glass. <clears throat> Through the looking glass. Thank you. I knew mm-hmm. it was another kind of fantasy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will see Buffy's dealing with the aftermath of Dawn being taken, and we will find out why Cordelia is sitting on a throne. Yeah. Do you have any pop culture recommendations? Mm, you can say no. I don't. I, I just have a easier. little side note. Um, yeah, a, a quick aside is that I, <laughs> you know, one of these times when we didn't have an episode to air, I finally got around to posting one of my old Sarah Michelle Geller on the cover of Seventeen oh, magazine yes. pictures. By far my most popular post to date. <laughs> Um, Even more popular than me recreating the pages of Seventeen Magazine. Shockingly. Although, to be fair, that was one of our earlier posts. I wonder if I would get more traction now. Hmm. Please well, don't put that back oh, up. Oh, fine. Okay. Um, but, well, it's, it's already still It's buried way down the grave. People don't have to look for it. Um, but while I was home for Thanksgiving, I did go through a bunch more Seventeen Magazines, and I found some great stuff. Awesome. Because before I, last time whenever I had that idea, I only had enough time to like find the ones that she was on the cover of. But obviously they did tons of articles about people in Buffy and they're just like scattered, you know, like Sarah Michelle Gellar did a bunch of Maybelline ads. And anyway, I found this great one about the boys of Buffy. Oh boy. I'm excited. Anyway, so I'm just saying there'll be more of that in the feed when we don't have episodes. Well, I'm excited. I also just love going (laughs) through my old magazines. (laughs) Uh, I have so many. What am I doing? Yeah. It's, I thought it was really interesting. Um, 
I couldn't really see it in the post, but I guess there was a reference to like a school oh, shooting or something. I know. I specifically cropped that out, but I posted it. She must, the person who commented must have seen it before I deleted it and reposted it. But yeah. that is sad. But, like, I do think that's an interesting window into, like, we can look at the fashion and be like, oh, my God, thank God. But, like, Some things haven't changed. changed. Yeah. And we're still talking about Buffy 20 years later. Yeah. So some things don't don't stop. Um, anyway, I didn't mean to put that on a sad note. I yeah. just thought that was really interesting. Do you have any I recommendations? I don't have any, really. Okay. Well, I mean, like, okay. It is Christmas season on Netflix, so just check all that out. I won't Mm. recommend it, but Mm -mm. I did watch the Christmas Switch or Princess Switch. I almost gave a negative recommendation to that. (laughs) It was terrible. It was so bad. And it doesn't make any sense. But in the vein of Christmas movies, I was fine with it. Oh, my God. I mean, I watched the whole thing, but I cleared it with some... You can't expect anything more than what they give you. That's not true. That's not true. To All the Boys I Loved Before is a Netflix movie. I can expect better out of them now. No, 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 no. The bar is so low for Christmas movies because they obviously, like, churn these out so quickly. Like, I don't Mm. expect, like, Shakespeare for I don't expect Shakespeare, but a little better. It literally was... Okay, in 30 Rock, there's a couple of episodes where they do these, like, fake... Oh, my God, what's that that guy's name? Love Actually and, like, Valentine's... You remember? There there was, like, 20 of those movies, those, like, holiday movies. There's, like, a Christmas one. Gary Marshall. Yeah, um, and they do a fake one about, like, Martin Luther King Day. (laughs) And two (laughs) of the people that are actually... Like, they actually got... um, to be in this like spoof like one is Emma Stone and one is Andy Samberg and they're like sitting at their you know like cool New York office job and they're like oh it's almost Martin Luther King Day and neither of us has a date too bad we're just platonic <laughs> friends like literally the way they deliver the lines like the princess switch I was like this feels exactly like this movie and then in a different 30 Rock episode this is a lot of explanation but there's another fake movie about Leap Day William. <laughs> Which is basically like Bruce Almighty, and they actually have Jim Carrey play him, where he's this, like, fake Leap Day (laughs) character. (laughs) But there's also this, like, mysterious old man that keeps, like, telling them all the secrets. Obviously, these are tropes in movies that 30 Rock didn't make all this up, but, like, watching The Princess Switch, I was like, oh, you're literally making a 30 Rock spoof of your own movie. Like, what is happening here? (laughs) so this is the thing. It does play a little bit like somebody wrote a spoof of A Christmas Prince, and then somebody was like... No, just make it serious. Yeah. And they didn't go back and like bother to rewrite it. But like, why was that old like, man there? Why is he there? But also, they show her watching a Christmas. I know. And <laughs> oh, I almost lost it there. And so I have watched a couple of the other ones as well, and they definitely that's like a theme this year of Netflix is definitely pushing their Christmas uh, yeah, offerings yeah, from yeah. last year through the offerings of this year. Um, <laughs> I did watch the Christmas calendar or something, or the, well, I forget what it's called, something about the calendar. That one wasn't as bad, but yeah, it's like, got back day after Thanksgiving, and yeah. I was like, or maybe I watched it before Thanksgiving, oh God. But like, you know, they all start airing on Netflix, and I'm just like, yeah, this is going to be trash, but I'm totally going to watch it. I probably will um, watch The Prince's Prince, Christmas Prince eventually. I didn't watch it last year. Well, you should watch it, because they also made a sequel. Oh God. <laughs> And that one's dropping in December, so uh, I'm gonna Claire remember and I this. Had several I'm long gonna remember conversations this. over Gchat. I'm gonna year remember about, this the next friends. time you give me. Never mind. I'm not even gonna bring it up. Oh God! I'm I know just what saying. You're talking about. Yeah, 
you know, we all have our proclivities and it's not all good. <laughs> well, you can tell me if you think it's better or worse than Christmas in Boston. Oh, that's not what I was going to say, actually. Oh, what were you going to um, say? I was just going to say, you can't give me a hard time anymore when I'm watching Fuller House. But Fuller oh. House is still worse. <laughs> I think it's still better than Fuller House, to be honest. <laughs> um, I did watch Two Weeks Notice, which I hadn't seen in a long time. It's some, pretty good. For some yeah. reason, I thought I didn't like it, but it's fine. No. Hugh Grant's great, and I'm in a real Sandra Bullock, like, yeah. mood this the last, like, month. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't I can't defend your your liking Fuller House. Can you all. defend your liking of of these Netflix Christmas Lifetime movies? Uh, yeah, because I don't mm. expect anything from that. I don't expect anything <laughs> from Fuller House. Do you know what? I um, I was reading a book about Queens of England because, again, mm-hmm. I have another podcast with my sister where we talk about things like that. And there was this. Um, phrase they used to describe some of the queens as like she wolves, mm-hmm. and I could not, oh, no. not think about the <laughs> she wolves back in Fuller House. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, see, it. it's classic. They're pulling on on um, historical. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no one writing that line Alley. has any idea about this. <laughs> oh. um, on that note, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Next week, Ginny will have watched A Christmas Prince. <laughs> Probably. And, Most likely. Um, she will be fully recommending it. I will not. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> I, oh God. Um, team, team, oh, team, team. Team Cordelia. I mean, I was going to, but uh, maybe. I was trying to remember what happened on Buffy, and I like already forgot. So, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's getting too giddy. I'm going to sign off. Okay. And poor Jenny can't Goodbye. laugh. <laughs> I'm sorry for all the coughing. <laughs> all right. I'll talk to you next Goodbye. time. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Jenny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.